everybody, and welcome to the Weird Indie Comics Boom podcast. I'm here, or, you know, show. I shouldn't say podcast, really, but we're here. I'm here with my man, Rocky. What up, Rocky? Uh, it's good to be here. Good to be here. Yes. Yeah, you had problems in your neck of the woods. Uh, uh, yeah. We had, we had a little bit of torna- a tornado go through my uh, city here in uh, southern Alberta. And uh, yeah, my internet was down for a while, and so was power. And so I didn't do my uh, DC Comics review this week with Jace, but uh, everything's fine. We only lost about $200 worth of groceries in the freezers, and uh, so we're, we're good to go. And I, as I've been telling my other friends, uh, my, my corona stayed cool. Uh, so it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my problem is right now it's so hot in Pennsylvania that we are having problems with actually our refrigerator keeping everything cool as well. And I'm, I'm starting to get really irritated, and I do have a sneaking suspicion that Somebody's been leaving the door open a bit more than they should, something like it, because it makes no sense when you well, it's bad. But and you'll know from this week, you go into the fridge and everything has condensation all over it. You're like, yeah, that's trouble. That, that is big trouble. It's it's really starting to irritate me. But, and you know, that's what goes on. At least everybody's safe. And you ended up having, you know, just losing groceries, which you can replace. It's that's still a right. pain in the butt, though. It, it really is. But you're yes. back. You're ready for the attack. We end up having books. I said to you before we started this, I don't understand. Since we started this, I think we've had at least one comic that is in Canada. (laughs) We have like all of a sudden I start talking to you and I'm big on Canadian comics here (laughs) out of nowhere. And it did. I didn't even know. I I start reading this brother of all men that we're going to start with. And right away, I'm like, Canada, like what's going on here? And it's not like you're suggesting them. Like you're somehow <laughs> trying to get me involved with the Canadian comic scene yeah, or whatever. Right. It's, it's me. I'm picking them and I have no idea. I'm like, Ken, what's going on here? And it is funny because you will answer a question for me when we get into this that I asked through the whole thing. And it is, who is this comic for? And we find out it's for you. That's what we find out because of. It's such a weird, like, niche of comicdom here. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's, uh, I, I like it. It's, it's also in a, what I think is one of the most, uh, interesting, largely, in, in my view, unexplored, uh, areas of, of history. And that is the interwar years between World War One and World War Two. It's a very interesting part of history in any country, quite frankly. And, and, uh, I, as I told you before, I do one of my more useless degrees that I have is a history degree before I went into, uh, and did other things with my life. Uh, and, uh, I, I do actually enjoy Canadian history and it was actually, this is actually interesting. It's the interwar years, the ca- lead character is a, sort of a PI, sort of a veteran of World War One, and his adventures here in, uh, Victoria, BC, was great, you know, wow. And in the ni- in late 1920s, it's actually a pretty, uh, actually, I thought the story has a lot of potential and it, uh, I find it very, uh, it's a very good opener to keep me meat glued to the, the issues that will follow. Yeah, and I'm not a, a huge follower of Canadian history. I know this might shock <laughs> you, but my, my Canadian history really starts January 26, 1961. I don't know if you realize that. That's the day Wayne Gretzky was born. That is when my Canadian history always started, the great one. Oh, my, yeah. Uh, and and Canadian that, history ended, by the way, when Gretzky went to the Los Angeles Exactly. Yes. And, yeah, that really did. It broke a lot of people's hearts. I mean, it did. But yet it expanded the NHL. But yes. here we go with this. And I'll tell you, too, with it, Zach Thompson, not one of my favorite writers. And it was one of these things where I saw a couple early reviews for this book. And I thought it sounded interesting. And I'm with you. Again, I don't have a degree in history. I have another useless degree, psychology. But at least either of us aren't art, history or philosophy, as far as I know. So at least we have it on them. But 
I ended up being somebody I do actually enjoy history as well, though a little blind spot with Canadian stuff. But you're right. Between World War One and World War Two, there is kind of a like a dark deal of history, especially in other places, because we're so consumed really in the United States of the Depression when that hits and things like that, the roaring 20s and then the Depression. But there is that like the rest of the world kind of building up and especially, you know, Europe starts having their problems again and whatnot. So I'm I'm interested in some things that you might be able to tell us with it. But again, Zach Thompson, I have read a bunch of his things, mostly Marvel stuff and mostly stuff that I hated. So I ended up being very, very antsy about maybe picking this. But I thought, you know what? This is the indie podcast. This doesn't have anything to do with the Marvel or DC. So let's give it a whirl. I was hoping that it'd be good. And actually, it surprised me. It surprised me of, of at least how much by the end I was intrigued. I still thought there was some weird gaps in the storytelling when you're going through. And I kind of saw some things that maybe I even saw in one of his more recent works at Marvel, which was the Kazar book. But it's better. It actually feels like something that he's more interested in. And, and maybe that's one of the things with indie stuff that we never really said at the very beginning. You don't normally, in my mind, you're not going to get assigned books as much indie-wise that you would at the big two. You're going to have a pitch of your own, and they should be something that you're more interested in or have more of a passion for. And you can tell that this is something you know, a story that he's worked out in his head and really wanted to tell. So I think that that might be somewhat of a way that, you know, he might be able to impress me a little more than usual. But this is the brother of all men. Number one, written by Zach Thompson with art by Eon Marone or Moran. It's uh, from Aftershock Comics and it came out today, July 20th, 2022. And I'll read the solicits real quick so that you can get a little idea of what this is. It is 1928, veteran of the Great War and part-time private eye, Guy Horn, I'd like to think it's Guy, travels to a remote community in Western Canada to retrieve his estranged brother from the clutches of a dangerous cult. As Guy struggles to gain control of his personal demons, he's tantalized by the cause and its charismatic leader, Brother Twelve, a tightly plotted horror mystery based on a true story wherein writer Zach Thompson, by breathe the body undone by blood and Kazar, Join forces with artist Ian Marone from Killer Grove for a new miniseries that blends the unexpected twist of hard-boiled detective noir with the uncanny traditions of folk horror. So my, like I said, my biggest joke was going through this. I'm thinking this is dealing with Canadian history. It's a kind of a, a like a noir plot, a slow, but, but even that isn't really well played out in a lot of comics too. And I, Oh, man. And then you sent me a message and said you really liked it. But yeah, and I was like, OK, well, that's cool. And that was actually before I read it. You had told me you really like it. I have such a bad memory and such bad attention deal that I really have to read things right before we record or I'll forget everything. You know, I'll come on here. I won't even know what we're talking about. But so you had already told me that. And I do think because I paged through it a little. But once I started reading it, I think that you telling me that you liked it made me kind of focus a little more. And think, okay, what's going on? And I did like the overall feeling for it. I do still think that it's kind of a slow start, especially for a number one. But the art style even kind of intrigued me, the kind of old-timey look. You really get a lot of feel of the time of that. And like you said, you don't have the tropes that you'll normally get with these things in this time period because you are in Canada. You're not in New York City. You're not in London. You're not, you know, the the big deal here. And I did enjoy that. 
Uh, but you tell me a little bit about what you liked about him. This this lead character, this uh, guy Horn, he's a you could tell he he's a he's a veteran of World War One, and he's he seems at first he seems to be looking for his brother, but yet because it it starts it starts off the first page, you know, he's he's looking at a picture of this girl that he's looking for, this girl named Myrtle. He's searching for. He's kind of a PI, but he also has some sort of fixation on his brother, and he thinks his brother has died, uh, but his brother isn't dead, and he's he's actually been searching across Canada looking for this Myrtle woman, and he's got he's got a scar on. He's got a, actually a mask on his face. He reminds me of the Hitman on Boardwalk Empire. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't know if uh, hopefully some people will watch Boardwalk Empire. It's a really cool show. And even the, then, it looks like a Phantom of the Opera mask. It, yeah. It, it, it yeah, does. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love there. And just aside, at one point, he's walking in the Western frontier, he said, and he's like, people are judging me. Eyes bore into my skull. Oh, my God, they're judging me. I'm like, no, no, no. I think they're looking at that mask, dude. And and that's the thing. I didn't even think of the idea because I don't I've never seen a ton of pictures or stuff like that of this time period of what would have happened to somebody if they got half their face blown off, which he does say later. And I thought that that was a neat way and an intriguing way to, like, present the main character right away. You know, you have this visual deal there that kind of is like, yeah, what happened there? What's going on? And I did like that. But you go on. Well, uh, yeah. And so but basically he ends up he ends up in Victoria, B.C. In, in, it's 1928. <laughs> and he ends up in Victoria, B.C. I really like the setting. He doesn't have a lot of nice things to say about Canada. This guy is actually a fairly miserable guy. He's not really likable. He's miserable. He's downtrodden. So he's kind of a drunk, even. He's looking for this woman, but he's he's kind of he's a real miserable prick, actually. Uh, he, he ends up uh, ultimately finding his locates this woman in I guess in this sort of like the cult. He asks around. Uh, he shows the picture, and he he's looking for this. He's looking for his brother. He, this this girl is looking for his. Uh, her name is Myrtle Meyer, and she's he ends up working for the. Uh, looking for the the white king or the the master. Yeah, yeah. And- it's all these weird like nicknames of this guy. That because there's it's weird too because like you said he has there's Myrtle. He's looking for her. His brother's in the picture, and then there's this guy in the middle that with this blacked out face deal, and he keeps thinking like that must be the key to finding them. And he keeps getting nicknames about him, but really anybody who knows what this is does not really want to talk about it, right? Ends up like, yeah, oh, here you even this one guy, this bartender, like you said, he's a drunk. Bartender's like, oh my God, I accidentally spilled. And there's a kind of a neat progression between like some spilled oil, it looks like, to a spilled drink. And then, oh man, I'm sorry about that. I spilled your drink. How about one on the house? You know, and and plus thank you for your service. And everybody realizes, and that's why I like that mask deal, that people would realize that anybody with this sort of thing probably happened in the war. So with that going on, hey, I'll give you this drink and you know, on the house. Thank you for your service. And then that's when Guy or Guy, I, I made the joke that I thought it was Guy because it's Canadian, but he's actually European. But he gives the, the picture and says, hey, have you seen these people? And the guy changes. The bartender's like, just leave that alone, buddy. Come on. No, no, no. I need to know. I got some names or whatever. And he does say brother 12 in Roman numerals 12. And then he keeps pushing, and then the bartender says, get the hell out of here. Get out of here. I don't want you here. And that's intriguing, too, the idea that people know about this guy. And we're getting these in dribs and drabs as we go. It's not like at this point we know fully there's a cult, but it starts to get there. And you just wonder, like, the time between some of these scenes as he's going across Canada and trying to figure out 
even at the one point where and I did like this. I don't know if you liked it, but just to get the scene set or whatever, you end up having guy go out and he sees like a priest go by and he's begging and he says, hey, you have spare change for a war wounded. And the priest is like the worst. He's like the war. That happened 10 years ago. I mean, seriously, you're still begging? Like, there's a lot of things you could do up till then. I thought that was kind of a funny way to, even though we already know the time, but that already gets, it gives you a little more of an expansion of like, okay, we are a distance away from World War One, but we kind of, it doesn't put that guy in a good light, the way he's doing, like he's a beggar. He's like, he's, Yeah, he's not good. Well. And he, t- he tells the priest, you know, the priest, you know, you know, blesses him. And, and he tells the priest, you know, the only thing inside man is not God. It's flesh and flesh rots. And he's depressing as hell. I mean, this is a guy. This is a guy. He, he's, he lost his ear in Belgium, fighting in Belgium. He's a dark brooding guy. He takes he, he admits he's one. He's the narrator. And he says he takes pleasure in dealing death. And he's, he's, he's likely an alcoholic. He's lost his faith in humanity. And he's sitting there. And and the central attraction is that he ends up looking for his brother and he ends up going to this occult, this almost like this cult that people are warning him to stay away from, uh, this Aquarian cult. And he ends up getting the shit kicked out of him because he's kind of a drunken asshole. And then, of course, he's wallowing there in the mud and somebody throws him a piece of paper <laughs> inviting him to join this cult. <laughs> where, and it's, it's yeah. almost like a faith thing, even. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he, he's a piece of crap. Right. I mean, even at the one point, he has these three minors, like you said, and he's like, Hey, do you know? And everybody, they, it seems to be the case where everybody might feel sorry for him or the idea that you can tell that he might be a vet. So they are treating him better like, hey, buddy, you know what's going on? But he pushes everybody too far. He, he never knows when to stop. He doesn't know when to say, oh, thanks and move on. He keeps at one point he grabs the one guy. The guy's like, hey, we're done here. These three minors. The one has a, a pick. You, you don't start a fight with a guy where you have a pencil and a pad of paper <laughs> and the guy has a pick. And he ends up, no, no, don't, it's not over yet. I still am talking to you. And they just beat the crap out of him and slice him. <laughs> and so when he's there and he's down in the, in the, I mean, he's in the gutter. And this person just with the light shining above them hands him pretty much the exact thing that he needs to move forward because he had just heard of the Aquarian Brotherhood was part of this cult deal. And I think that you'll be along right with me by the end. That it's one of those things where he needs to find his brother. He needs to find Myrtle. He needs to, but maybe he does need this cult. Like he needs something in his life. He needs something better because he's miserable and he's, he looks like in my mind, if me and you took a bet that if things went on, he's dead within a year and a half. I mean, this guy is a wreck. And yeah, so you can go on. He ends up where, and they go and they separate it in the chapters, which is kind of a neat thing because the first chapter ends with this idea of, Hey, come and join the Aquarian Brotherhood, which sounds very like late 60s hippie stuff. And it does seem like a bit of like an earlier version of a hippie commune there when you do get to it. But you go on then. Well, I just uh, I thought I thought the use of language and the the telling of the story here was very, very well done. This lead guy, this this uh, this guy is Ward. World War One destroyed his life, his family, his appearance. It destroyed his dreams, and he's traveling across this nation of young nation of Canada, which is literally brimming with dreams. And I love the from the the history side of me. I love the portrayal of the miners and the RCMP. The RCMP are said to be sort of prejudiced, and they treat immigrants badly. And that you know, despite our pride with our Royal Canadian Mounted Police, they, they had their darker sides. And so I like the allusions to that, and I love that that and that the miners were friendly and 
I love how when he, he ultimately ends up with joining this Aquarian Brotherhood, and he actually recognizes, he reaches a point where he ends up actually running into his brother, and his brother doesn't recognize him. His brother Bastion does not recognize him, and that's what, and that's not surprising, but that's also really kind of interesting and cool, and it's and kind it, of sad. Yeah, it's really <laughs> yeah. sad. But and he doesn't say anything. He doesn't no. say anything, and I'm not really sure why. But he's looking for this girl. We don't really know why he's looking for this girl. I'm presumably, uh, in fact, I, I I found out in the, I don't know about you, but I found out in the solicits that he's a PI. I never got the. I didn't know no, he was a PI I, in I'm the with comic. You. That's the same I, thing that I said. That's why sometimes I end up. It, it might spoil things. Some of the solicits, but it actually gives you some information going in because in this you just you really feel like this is a guy who at most of the beginning he just wants to find his brother like he doesn't have any family everything's falling apart but he seems more of a pi through that and yeah then with that even through this when you're reading without that solicit you're wondering at one point like what is the end game for him what is he really trying to do and i'll i'll give zach thompson credit at one point <laughs> this is such a little line but it makes me kind of giggle in in a really bad way that when he ends up seeing his brother for the first time it says guy couldn't believe his eye <laughs> he only has one eye and i'm like okay it's kind, yeah. kind of funny and sad at the same time but it, it really is and yeah. so then you get like a uh mad mooney type of deal that you would have in a harry potter with that mask <laughs> deal uh but really again you have this guy whose name's guy and goes around and really that mask too it's not really hiding anything from like if you would say, oh, this is a allegory and this is metaphor for mask or whatever. I mean, that mask is on him to make sure everybody else doesn't just, you know, go, oh, my God, and do that. It's not really helping him at all or whatnot. So I do like that. And then to remind you that, yeah, under there, he doesn't have an eye. There, there's nothing there. And it, it was like, oh, my God. But when he does see his brother and the things and it shifts and we find out a little bit about his brother that has found this cult and ends up, you know, really going with it. And at the beginning here, you would you would imagine cults usually go bad, but who knows? I mean, when it starts out, you have Basti and his brother, and he seems to be taken with this. He's liking it. At the beginning, there's a weird play to just show you that you must follow the rules and you you have to because there's a guy and his kid and like, hey, you're going into town. I want you to get some Pez for my little kid. Like, I didn't think we were going to get a Pez reference here, but he's like, listen, I don't do that anymore. I'm in the recruiting side. So, no, that doesn't happen. And like walks away and you're like, all right, poor little kid sucking his thumb. He ain't getting his Pez. Um, but you have some. And I'll give you one thing, too. You have a bunch of characters in this that have very unique looks to them that you're like, what's up with this guy? Because the one guy's just covered in bandages. And you're like, well, what's up with negative man here? Well, what's his deal? But he seems full out into this. and is part of the deal and yeah you have some like at points i thought it was plotting a little you know but even going through it with you the second time it kind of has that feel of the times too this is you know the late 20s canada things aren't really fast moving in any part of the world at that point so i think that it's like that as well and i think that it's pretty cool and in a way they really are pushing this community, this cult, as something that's not bad. I mean, it looks like something that is on the up and up. I'm sure we have a little hint of one little bad thing, but on the surface, it looks pretty cool. And you end up having a guy who sees his brother and says, yeah, I think my brother's dead, but 
this is him and I don't know what's going on here. It's very odd. And and it's weird. I don't know if you read Chip Zdarsky's Stillwater, but yeah. it almost has that bit like an old timey version of that yeah. a little. So it starts that. Well, anytime you say cult, you think of bad things. Yeah, though. and this community, there's this Aquarian Aquarian community slash cult. Well, and they they kind of think of themselves as a community. It's only about a hundred people. It's growing. When he when he finally he realizes he discovers that this Myrtle girl he's looking for is there. She's actually brother ten. She's referred to as Brother Ten. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, so there's Brother Twelve. There's a Brother Ten. So presumably, there's other brothers. Uh, so that's just a moniker. It's interesting. The, there's there's three truths that make up this Aquarian. The first truth is the unity of life, and the second one is the immortality of the soul, and the third calling card is the unanswering law of karmic retribution. So that's a little bit more onerous. Like, what does yeah. karmic retribution mean? Is this a terrorist group? What what's the real agenda? Because we we don't know we we meet the leader of this group but we don't know he's he's where he, this person wears a mask kind That's of mysterious an odd mask, right yeah we, we don't know what the agenda is here and so it's really curious I'm not even it's not even clear to me that 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 the lead guy here I mean Bastion the brother might end up being the good guy here because I have a feeling that this guy Horn this guy that we meet at the beginning. I don't know. He's he he looks. He's a pretty screwed up guy. Like <laughs> he's like a loose cannon. Yeah. And, and even it's funny because even in, in these chapters, you kind of meet Bastion. You end up having this go on, and I mean, you're gonna just have a scene where people are walking downtown, the, and it's just a little like you know set up village type deal. It's it's very like ramshackle deal. I mean, it's nice enough, but it, like you said, there's only about a hundred people here. Everybody knows each other, obviously. So it seems nice. It's like, hey, Bastion, what's going on? Hey, just doing my thing, whatever. And then we have that guy who I said is wrapped up in bandages come up here and go, hey, we got a problem. They found Robert. Think it was an animal. And then all of a sudden, Bastion's like, F, you know, F this. Does he know? And you're like, what the hell? <laughs> like, there's the first bit. You're like, what's going on here? But like you said, too, when you're reading these three tenets of this Aquarian deal, the first two, I mean, it does, it's set up well. Like Zach Thompson, you're like, well, okay, that's, that's cool. Like, okay, that's nothing. Oh no, karmic retribution. That seems bad. Like, oh my God, what's going on? And then you even get a little bit of a origin story of this religion a bit. You go back to 1924 France and kind of see this guy get a vision and how this all came about. And that seems maybe he's a little bit of a loony, but it seems like any sort of you know, religion type origin story that you would see. It doesn't look nefarious at all. Looks like maybe the guy was taking some drugs. Who knows? But hey, half the religions probably started that <laughs> way anyway. But yeah. and then you just shift then to and the first time you see this main brother, brother 12, I guess, he just looks with this mask and he even mentions it like my mask might freak you out a little, but this is kind of the thing. And you'll learn about this and whatnot as you have guy realize okay the people i'm looking for are here everybody it seems that was in that photo are here he doesn't seem to be taking it well right i mean at one point it looks like he's going to kill everybody he's even at the point where he's drawing his gun as he's like staring at these people who are just hugging and going and he ends up seeing you know myrtle there she is and i don't know what's going on because you don't really get the idea like we said pi but what is he supposed to be doing and what is the end game for him? Has he been hired to? And if he's been hired, he he ran out of that money because he's begging for stuff and whatnot. So what is the deal? And I think you're right that you're going to find out that he's a little bit more 
of a badder guy than what our normal protagonist would be. But he ends up at the weird part where he wants to hide all his stuff. And at one point, I, I mean, I'm telling you, he's like, I got to hide this stuff. I got to put it back somewhere. where, And it's to put it in a duffel bag and throw it in the, the ocean or, or a lake. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what's going on? Like, that's not a great place to hide stuff. But isn't it weird that he's doing that? And it's like the picture. He's getting rid of anything that might end up, you know, blowing his cover because he's there saying. And even there was a neat play earlier where if he's undercover, his brother Bastion is playing games, too, because he even says, oh, you know, this made up name. Oh, that's my grandfather's name. That wasn't our grandfather's name. <laughs> and I like that. It's like everybody is there. But again, these are the, a cult like this and this thing. And, and even at that time and, you know, Western Canada or whatever, there's going to be some people who are running away from things, trying to get away from stuff or whatnot, maybe trying to reinvent themselves. And I like that concept. And he may be there to stop it when maybe they, it shouldn't be. I don't know. It's very. It is intriguing, though, right? Yeah, no, it 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 is, it is, and I uh, again, I I love the uh, I love the mystery of it, and I love the uh, I love the early, I, I like the early Canadian play of it. I like yeah. the fact that it's in uh, Victoria, BC. I, I like the fact that it's anything goes here because this is, you know, I mean, this is nineteen twenty nine. Our last province joined it was Newfoundland joined conf, uh, Confederation in nineteen forty five. So we're we're still a pretty young nation here. So anything goes. Uh, and so, you know, they could get away with anything in this, in this, in this sort of cult, this community. And I, again, I got, I get Boardwalk Empire vibes from this guy. He kind of freaks me out. He creeps me out a bit. And I like the fact that the antagonist, the guy who appears to be the antagonist kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. And I kind of think, I kind of have already like his brother Bastion. His brother Bastion is the total opposite. Well, they oh. really make him look like a lot. Like he's a big bear. Like yeah. you know, and he's if good you looking. walk up to him, he's yeah, and he's yeah. gonna hug you. He's and gonna he's, be happy. And I got, know that you don't yeah. like guy just because he's horribly scarred. But he's a veteran, Rocky. Please give him some respect. Yeah, no, 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 no. I know, <laughs> but I mean, but he's been through hell, and he's oh, he's a jerk though. And then they make it well. I mean, Zach Thompson gives us his point of view, and you don't like it. You know what I mean? He's not a good guy. Yeah. Again, you will even twist by the end at points of like, well, why are you like it almost like he's there to upset everybody else's good time? Like, how dare you end up having a good life in this cult? Like it does twist and turn. It really does. And and with that, I think that the player, too, is kind of cool in my mind. And something that I know you like is the idea that at this time period, if you did set it in the U.S., you, you're not going to be able to do this vibe because this almost has like even though it's Canada, but like you said, it's almost like the Wild West. You know, the the whole place is being run individually and you end up having this like wild frontier type deal. And I think that's a good play, but yet still be of the time of, you know, 1929, 19, you know, late 1920s. And I think that's a cool play. Like you said, you can go to towns and they're kind of run by, you know, different people or whatever. And you can have these cults that are on their own and go with that. And I think that that's a, a pretty cool cool play with that but at the end i would never do what they do and i it, it's a cool deal to do like almost like a hazing deal we have to see if you are down with this and what we do is we they bury them and they get to you know use these bamboo like straws that come out and they have to breathe through that but they have to be buried overnight and then that's like a you know you died now a rebirth the next day you would assume that there's going to be a celebration they come out and there's even you know, the words, but there's no way I, I'm just expecting somebody to go and just yank the straw out of where guy is and then you're done. And I, I, I would go nuts under there. 
And you even play that out as you end where he's even thinking back at war, you know, in the trenches, which were huge in the World War One deal. And then just go to blackness as the night goes on to see if he ends up, you know, going. And then it's just to be continued. I thought it was a pretty crazy ending. But yeah, if, if we ended up next chapter, they're like, hey, yeah, guy died. They're like, yeah, whatever. Let's see Bastion. Well, let's see what Myrtle's up to. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I like that there's a because yeah, I know in, in Canadian history, I mean, that was our Canadian history at that period of time. We were developing as a nation and it was a vibrant time for Canada. It was a time of great growth for Canada in the interwar years. And yet this character guy uh, is has has such a completely uh, negative view of Canada. I just chuckle. I mean, I, I, and I love the way that uh, it's described or he says. He saw no grand design or or dignity to the land. The dream of so-called Canada was a curse befallen on narrow minds. He would have no part in it. <laughs> Good Lord, this guy's a depressing bastard. Oh, yeah, he's depressing. <laughs> you know, go down to New York City and see how people are faring there. Depression and stuff hitting and it'll be big problems. But uh, yeah, he is. He's a sad sack and he's not likable. But I do like this. I, again, I'm glad we're doing this because you end up. Picking up my spirits, you do. <laughs> and really kind of, I like the idea that you're telling me too, that Zach Thompson is getting that time frame pretty well here and giving you, you know, that juxtaposition of a land that is starting to rise up and starting to, you know, have its roots and stuff like that while this guy's here to piss on all of it because he's <laughs> just a miserable prick. And so that's pretty good. And I think that that's something that a lot of readers won't actually get how they're playing, how Zach Thompson's probably playing it against each other uh that you know a miserable guy is going to be a miserable guy and he's going to bring all his misery with him and and that said some of the misery especially at the end when you see him that buried some of that misery isn't really his fault i mean he did go through which was one of the most horrific things to go through as a soldier even in that world war one and that trench war and stuff that ended up happening in those trenches so that's pretty bad so he definitely is scarred but this whole West to find his brother and Myrtle and all it just ends up like at the end you're like you really need to know exactly why and what he mentions his mom at one point like well you know she ended up the letters stopped being answered she couldn't pay the rent and things because they were counting on Bastion probably while he was at war and recovering and things like that so I think he does have a bit of a chip on his shoulder as well and might even come down to the idea of why did you run and why why weren't you there when I needed you and mom like that if it gets that personal. But this seems like it's more even bigger with this cult and stuff like that as well. But I just got the idea by the end of the first time reading. I'm like, yeah, I think guy's going to really like this cult. He might, you know, loosen up a bit, lighten up and then he's going to be involved and then something bad will happen. But uh, what would you give this? Uh, I enjoyed it enough that I. Uh, Normally, I'd probably go seven and a half, but uh, because of the historical element, and I'm Canadian, and I enjoy it, and I am a history buff, I, I give it a solid eight. Yeah, I'm not Canadian. <laughs> I don't know if you realize that. I could say a boot a, a bit, but I'm not Canadian. I'm half British, which might be worse. I don't know. But with all that, I'm still going to give it an eight. I actually liked it. I was originally out of seven. You actually convinced me, and then going through it. And it's one of those things I think that people don't understand uh, it's weird. This gets a little corny, but I don't think people understand the power of talking to your buddies about comics. You know, you can sit and read comics and just go, oh, 
whatever, and you go. But when you end up talking with, you know, your friends about it, and that extends to then some podcasts like, you know, this one or how we try to do it. It is just friends talking about comics, right? Yeah. And, no. But that that expands it. That elevates it because then you, you see and you get excited for other people. I say it on our DC show a lot. I, I'm not a big like a Firestorm fan or a Hawkman fan. But when I end up talking to Eric about those because those are his favorite characters, it does elevate that for me. And this did it. You, you did it, Rocky. You oh. did it. <laughs> and now I, I think that I am now half Canadian. Is what I'm gonna say. My two my two favorite Canadians of all time, yes, Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux. So there we go. Well, no, I, you're, you're not you're not completely Canadian until you've had some Pilsner beer. That know, is true, uh, with, and uh, I, that's gonna that might be a problem now. But back in the day, <laughs> I, I did have a bit of you know some some Canadian beer I've had in the past. Is, is Pabst Blue Ribbon? Is is that? Oh yeah, that's that's good stuff. Too. I that's, thought it was. Is Carling is that a Canadian beer Carlin, as well? Uh, I don't know if it is. I've 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 sampled it before, but I I don't know if it's Canadian or not. Yeah, but I've had Peps Blue Ribbon. You know? I don't know that that's the best one to to say I, I've had Canadian beer, but I've had that at one <laughs> point. I actually like I've never been a huge drinker, but I was involved in uh, you know a group of guys who really like to like sample the fancy beers from around the world. They're pretentious. And, and we used to go, we used to have a place called Beers of the World, and you would be able to go there and just grab like, hey, oh, I was six pack of that. And we used to get a lot of that stuff. But I, it's been a while since I have drank any beer. But we're going to go to the next book. And the next book's one that I didn't know anything about. Didn't, And I even saw the writer didn't know the person writing. And it, it makes sense because they've never written a book before. But this is kind of a first deal. And I'll, I'll mention her in this rogues gallery, number one, written by Hannah. Rose May, an actor who is in the show Ballers, was in a couple movies as well. And I think that this is a damn good start for somebody who's never written a comic before. And so you also have art by Justin Mason and Triona Farrell, published by Image Comics. And it released today, July 20th, 2022. I think Declan Shelby is helping her out to do that. So that's kind of cool as well. But I'll give you the... Uh, solicit. It's a series premiere. Writer Hannah Rosemay makes her comic debut with rising star artist Justin Mason for an all new series with Declan Shelby. The Purge meets Scream in a home invasion thriller that follows disenfranchised TV superhero actress Maisie Wade as she is terrorized by an unhinged group of intruders cosplaying her day jobs arch villains. If Maisie is going to survive the night, she'll need to be the hero she has come to despise. And then it says genre, action, adventure, horror thriller and then gives you a register pitch and i'm like i don't know is this something that i'll go okay that's cool you're giving people the deal it's just weird but it says the purge meets misery now before it was the purge meets scream uh in a twist on the class i think misery fits probably better because of the way that they are upset about how something is adapted and a twist on the classic slasher tale where celebrities biggest fans can become her biggest foes so we jump into this i think that the art's pretty good uh, the one thing that I thought, because you end up having a cold open that you don't realize is this TV show that they're watching. And I was enjoying that. And it did have like a feel of like a, a black hammer even or something. I'm like, oh, this is cool. What's going on here? I think I want to know these characters. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, we pull out of that. And it's actually a bunch of people. Now, I said that going and having your buddies talking about comics elevates things. And maybe not when you're all awful. 
and really hate the person playing it on TV. But this is this is a thing, though. It's pretty accurate. I mean, it really is. It's dead on accurate. All the time. Yes, absolutely. It's just the Internet hate. It's the Twitter hate, the Reddit hate of some people who are upset at an adaptation of a comic. And it's all there. The tropes are all there of like, that wasn't how they did it in issue 782. (laughs) Or why did they do that? And, And really what really made me laugh is at one point in this, you know, comic book TV show. They ended up having a villain introduced that got killed off real quick and everybody was pissed. That happened so much. I mean, even the point of like a Darth Maul, (laughs) you know, or Boba Fett in the Star Wars deal, that made me laugh. And it all is the idea, too. They blame this actress for actor for everything wrong. Everything that goes wrong. Oh, that must be Maisie. We ended up doing that. This is bullcrap. Why did they get her? And they're just angry. now. My biggest problem with this is, and I think it might be something that, you know, with a newer writer would have. I mean, it is very yakety yak. There's a lot of dialogue, but I didn't mind it. I actually didn't mind reading the dialogue. I just thought for a first issue, you extend the premise a little too far to the point where I just wanted it to get going. Like, I know, hey, I get it. You guys are mad. You're waiting for the finale for this TV show. I thought it could pick up the pace a little bit more. And when you get to the end where they're just like, okay, we're going to end up going and we're going to, you know, break into this actor's house and we're going to go take her stuff or whatnot. I thought that at the end, then we get to the good and then you stop. Like it could have been quicker to maybe an ending and then start up the next issue with maybe the the action hit. I, I don't know. It just it just seemed like it was longer than it was because we ended up the last book we talked about that was, you know, 12 pages longer. But that was a quicker read. I got through that a lot quicker than this one. And I don't know about you, but there's also it's like you have a point of view character. He nobody's real likable. (laughs) You're Uh, you're you're watching and going with characters that really most people will tell you that they hate these type of people. uh, Come on. If you are one. Right. Well, Jim, I want to give you some pushback there. okay? (laughs) because seriously, because I I personally feel and I I can't name names now. But first of all. I person, I'm slinky. The, the, okay. the slinky character, the, the 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 unattractive balding guy, kid in here, the guy that points to the comic that says they have the roadmap right here. How did they screw this up? I'm gonna f and kill somebody. I said that exact same thing when I came out of Thor, Thor, Love and Thunder. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's me. That's me. My that's favorite that. thing is I was reading this and I was worried that you were gonna actually say that I was slinky. <laughs> Mainly because look at my picture right now here on the video. Ain't no picture. And then he doesn't let anybody see him. And it made me laugh. And the idea, hey, maybe, maybe it is because I'm ugly or whatnot. Or maybe it's other reasons. I don't know. No, but my point is, though, but to to, to build on your point, like I, and you know, you're not the only one to say that. I've read a number of other reviews and I listen to some other uh, reviews of this particular opening issue of Rogue's Gallery. And a lot of people have made that same comment that these are unlikable characters. And maybe it says something, it probably definitely says something about my character. But about you? I really enjoyed this because uh-huh. I recognize these characters. Oh, I recognize I them. I recognize too. them. They're, they're, they're my friends, for <laughs> Christ's sake. I mean, I mean come on. I mean, I'll give you, I'll one ask of you us? one thing, though. I'll what? ask you one thing because you have a lot of talk here and you're going. Did you, through the first time you read it, without writing notes, I'm just telling you, yeah, just sure. even if you did write notes or whatever, 
I'm telling you, at the end of this, I really couldn't tell you a lot of these kids' names. And that's a big thing for me. When I get through something, I want to at least know the names. I think there might be a couple too many characters. And But the funny thing is, and I really wish, and it's funny because I'll give them credit, where they're not all like, it's not exactly everyone's a full out trope. Like they, they're, they're come, they're combining some. So, I, but there are that tropey things. I recognize them more of tropes than actual characters. But I think that I get down to this main kid, you know, and like you said, some of the others, I mean, Slinky, he might be the best. And when he shows up at the end, it is a kind of a funny moment there, right? But when you get the main guy and then you have to go back to his dad and it's, again, it starts to be this like, sad sack deal and his dad's nice enough to watch the show with him they're both fans and the funny thing is the show's been on they say for 10 years so this kid has grown up watching the show with his dad but his dad still even thinks like you guys are nonsense it's just a damn show like when he goes in yeah hey dad you know it's coming on the thing and he's watching wrestling it looks like a bog whatever like it, it is that play of like the old guy who doesn't care he's just watching it but I agree with you that they could be funny, but I don't oh. know. It just they they didn't grab me as likable though. It's okay, well, this this isn't fanboys where you end up having that idea. Hey, we got to get you to see Star Wars before our friend dies. Like you're rooting for him, rooting for him. I don't think you're supposed to root for these guys, but maybe you are because it is that idea. Of they really push this Maisie as awful. Like she has really ruined things for him, but. Well, I, uh, I I see where you're coming from. I personally, I did get, number one, I, abs- I did take notes, yes. But I also, I, I did find these characters memorable. And what I, what I think that writer Hannah Rose, uh, Hannah Rose May did so well here is, uh, is that these characters are, represent different, different aspects of what all of us have exhibited in our criticism of pop culture. Uh, Kyle is the white knight. He's the he's the he's the blonde who is he defends Maisie through most of the first half of the comic until he finally. And I, I thought uh, that you, was you know, weird. I I thought that that should have stuck. I I I thought that because I like the idea that they hang out with him, and yeah, he is the guy who's like that white knight. They even call him yeah. that. And I wish that it stuck with like, oh man, he just doesn't get it. He's the Maisie like, but then he, it's like you get to this point in this first issue that he's even had enough. I wish well, that that would have went a little where you saw more of a big thing to happen. But I'll tell you, I remember Dodge. Oh, Dodge. I love Dodge. Dodge uh, loves Red Red Road comics and he hates the TV show. You know, you got to honor the source material. So he's I mean, that's that's definitely me. I I, I mean, I've, I've I've got parts of Dodge and uh, and Slinky and me like you wouldn't believe. Then there's Yuri. He hates the comics and the TV show. Yeah, he, he hates, hates everything, everything, right? Everything's uh, me. He, Yuri's me. <laughs> He's me. It's like, hey, here's the deal. This is where I have problems. And what I would, I wish that Yuri would play off more because you're only having this one group. If you ended up having different groups, you'd see Yuri do the same thing that I do. It's like you're there with the comic guys and like, oh, man, you remember that? And you're like, I never liked that. That was terrible. Then he goes with the TV show. I never liked that. Like, what do you like? I've even had Eric say that on the podcast. Do you like anything? I'm like, not really. Not really. I, I, that's what I'm searching for. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I, I found, I actually found myself really liking Kyle's dad because Kyle's dad <laughs> was the only one that actually spoke the truth. He said, oh, yeah. he, sa- he says to Kyle, he says, you guys should, 
You guys should be going to parties, talking to girls, not spending a fortune dressing up like idiots. Yeah, because they're talking about cosplaying, and you even have that, which kind of is cool by the end, too, where they're going to go with that. But, I mean, seriously, I would have liked to have seen a little more of the deal of, like, why this against this group would probably just have a tizzy if they found, like, everybody else loves it. Now you're going to get into this. This is what happens with me, where I read a comic especially, and I'm like, this comic stinks. Finally, this is going to be the one that finally shows everybody what I've been saying about a writer or whatnot. And then I go on the internet. I'm like, they love it more than anything else. And that, just, I wish we had more of that, but everybody seems to hate this show anyway. And it, it but it's been going for 10 years. I mean, it, that's the funny part. It has to be good enough. It's never going to be good enough for them, though, right? That's kind of the joke well, of it. But this Maisie is, is causing issues. And the big play, it is funny. It's almost like Nick Cage getting action comics. Number one, even when he had that <laughs> test footage of him being Superman is the worst ever. And people made fun of it because this Maisie ends up getting like the, the golden, you know, deal of all comics, the, the holy grail of this comic. And they are so pissed when she wins the auction. <laughs> and they're just they, they're mad that she should she doesn't deserve to have it. She's ruined their property. All that with that red rogue deal. And uh, I'll give it to you. I actually, now that you're saying it, see, you're convincing me again. I just said the first time, like, I hate these kind of people. But I I guess you got to realize that, you know, there's a little of us in there. Like I say, I I love this. And let me just get a little bit dark for a second. okay? because in the midst of all this humor, uh, I'm going to I'm going to disagree with you slightly in your interpretation of his of his dad and his relationship with his dad, because. I see his relation. I saw, I thought his dad kind of enjoyed watching the show with him, but even his dad complained that the Red Rogue TV show went to shit in 10 years. Oh, yeah, he did. But, but, uh, the, the turning point for Kyle, what turned Kyle from being a white knight to being angry and wanting to actually steal the comic from Maisie Wade, the, the actress that plays Red Rogue, what turned it is that when she quit, she was fired. She was quit. The show was going to be canceled because she quit. And you can draw a direct relationship. Because yeah, now him his and his dad don't life, have anything. His, his relationship with his dad was premised on the show. It was almost linked to the show. As the show deteriorated in quality, so did, so did the quality of his relationship with his dad. And you can, I, I think you can draw an analogy. And then when it's over, his dad's just like, screw this, you owe rent. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you better pay rent. It is true, again. And that gives you a little bit of a deal there that makes it a little bit more. It elevates it. I'll, I'll agree with you there that. You know, he might blame that, you know, oh, my dad and me had a good relationship. We may even see that scene where he goes. I mean, and and Maisie's there and he says, why did you have to be, uh, you know, I don't want to mix words, but why do you have to be a bitch and do this? You ruined me and my dad's relationship. And that's going to be something, again, we're seeing on that side. But that is a weird thing to say to a celebrity on a show. That would be something that she would say, like, what are you talking about? The relationship's yours. I don't even know you. But there is that interaction between things like that that might be more important, like you said to them, and that may play out really well. Well, you know, uh, what's really uh, self-effacing about all this is, I mean, it's a little bit disturbing because I I see my own, uh, I see myself in every single one of these characters, except for, of course, I wouldn't go steal a a comic book. Lord knows I have enough of them. But uh, uh, I really, what, what, what I loved about this is that I could relate I could relate to every single one of these characters, how they feel about certain aspects of pop culture. And it also made me, I'd be lying if I said I didn't step back and say, you know what? 
Is that how stupid I sound when I say that? Uh, I mean, uh, and of course, I got to admit, I probably crossed the line a few times. I mean, they're they're engaging in ad hominem attacks. They're doing all the things. And, and I just I just think that what I like about this comic, this opening issue, is that if I hope that all of us who read it get a good laugh out of it, because it is fun, but also that maybe we can all take a collective sigh and just say, oh, okay, you know, maybe it's time to have another corona and maybe I should just you stop talking. You know? <laughs> you know what's funny about it is when they do it, though, when you have at the end where you even said it, I act like this, but I'm not going to go and break into somebody's house or <laughs> whatever. I think that's the out. I think when you're reading this, you're like, oh, man, these people, maybe I sound like that. But then at the end, you go, well, I break into somebody's house. <laughs> And I'm telling you, it's funny because you're saying all this and you're talking, yeah, you may have gone over the line or whatever. And I'm just thinking of the list of the comic creators who have blocked me. And I'm like, there's so many and I'm not a mean guy. I really am not. But the problem is like they're doing is something that I have a problem with when I tell maybe it's a problem. Maybe it's something that it's how I do it, whatever. But when I talk about a comic and I start yelling about a certain writer, maybe it's Brian Michael Bendis. Oh, that Brian Michael Bendis. Brian Michael Bendis is a really nice guy and has done some really great things. It's just normal, you know, in normal everyday life. But I'm not thinking of him. And it's bad because people will say, well, there's a person doing that. You got to. But when you're doing the stuff we do, we're just kind of you're dealing with Brian Michael Bendis, the writing entity that is kind of like a ghost hovering there and the comic and stuff. And you don't stop and think. And I think the player is funny because they're doing that as well. But then by the end, you see that they're going to have to come face to face with that person, even though you have this Maisie in this, the star that ends up like she seems to be really not a nice person. She seemed now again, that might be all a ploy. They may find out different things of that, because a lot of it, they even say at one point, I think Kyle even says, hey, listen, you thought that she and it's a funny thing. Where it's like, oh, somebody, Maisie released, uh, you know, some set pieces and some costumes beforehand and spoiled everything. And then Kyle said, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, she didn't. The studio admitted that they did that to get some hype up. And then you just have what's the classic deal. And this goes on in everything. But, oh, no, no, they're just saying to cover it up. And they're trying to make her look good. Like, you never can win those arguments. And this is how it happens in this. But, yeah, when they decide, though. And I, I thought they were just like in a drunken, you know, deal. Like you said, they had too many Coronas and they're like, hey, let's go steal that comic back. We're going to get that <laughs> from her. She doesn't deserve it. And I, I do also like the deal where 10 seasons in, she gets fired. And they even say to make it even worse, it's it's fired because it looks like she wanted more money is how it's kind of reported. There was contract negotiations. They end up stalling. She gets fired. And they do what, what Eric does all the time where you have a book. That's so specific to a creator and they end up, okay, I'm going to be off on issue 16. And Eric's like, oh man, I wonder who's going to go on it. But you know, it's just going to get canceled. Like that Joker book. (laughs) We had a DC stuff like that. Tynan's gone. They're just going to cancel. He's always like, no, they'll get somebody, whatever. But 10 seasons in to a show that they're bitching and moaning about. And that's a really funny play too. Is that what happens? Oh my God, this is the worst. This is worse. What? It got canceled. How dare you cancel it? Like they, they're yelling all about it. But that's kind of you do that. And even with the stuff with like me and you, me and you 
end up we love Wonder Woman as a character. We haven't liked that book in how many years, <laughs> yeah. but yet we still need it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. you almost get in tune with that idea that the relationship is to bitch about it. Yeah. But you love bitching about it. And like the the you see it, like the father and Kyle, but also these friends too. There might be a little bit of that, like, what are we gonna do now? Uh, we don't have our thing. Yeah, we have the comics, but this kind of brought this group together. This might be their last blank. And then all of a sudden, the the show's over, the comics canceled, and what do you do when you're like, uh, what 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 else do they have left? That's what's kind of sad and pathetic about this. Thank God we thank thank God there's usually you know five fifty fifty DC comics exactly. to, to read. Yeah, yeah. Have to, to complain about. <laughs> a lot of times we are down a bit on you know a weekly bunch of comics and stuff, but. If they announce tomorrow, DC's out. They've folded. They're going down. There may be some person out there saying, I think Jim and Rocky will be happy now. And that would be the <laughs> furthest from the case. We love DC Comics. Right. They love Rogue Red. It's just that they're, it's not been the greatest. They're bitching and moaning. And a lot of times where I want to pull it around is that you want better. I don't know what they want. I really don't. I mean, I think that they love bitching about Maisie and the stuff going on in the show makes it fun uh, for them to just get together and bitch and moan because it is that's the weird play here. There's a lot of things that they can have through this, like the idea toxic fandom, but also the idea of, you know, camaraderie and coming together for something that they are supporting it. I mean, they're watching it every week. They can't wait till it, it comes on. Oh, my God, I got to go. It's on. But yet they like to bitch and moan about it because that's kind of their thing. Yeah. And uh, I, do, I do like that. And, and uh, again, you're making me think more about it or also just enjoy well, laughing about it I, and the things too. I want to give I want to give a compliment to the artist, uh, Justin, uh, Justin Mason, because one thing about the character, Kyle, who is white knighting and defending uh, Maisie Wade, the actress at the beginning, the way that he's drawn at the beginning is almost very innocent, like his face is uh you know, he he looks like sort of like the innocent guy, the the defender, sort of like the beta male, defending this, defending that. Well, by the time you get to the end, when he realizes that Macy Wade has quit, uh, she's quit the show, the show's canceled. His uh, dad is bitching about the rent uh, and uh, things. He, he's you can tell he's reached an endpoint, and then he, there's it shows uh, the way uh, Mason draws Kyle he, in on near the end on it's on page eighteen on that last panel. He's got the dark. I mean, he looks like oh, a yeah. different character. He, looks he like literally a looks like he, 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 Anakin. Anakin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's really crazy. He really looks like that. You were really the chosen got, one. Yeah, he's like, oh, I have the high ground. You know, and, and so with that, too, you even have, you know, the idea where and I thought this was clever, too. And it makes me think, like, never thought of that where they're like, listen, we're going to get this comic. Are you in? And with this, the play through it. You almost think that maybe Kyle at one point will say, no, 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 but he is in. He's in now. And yeah, he looks evil. But they say, listen, this will be easy. We just go up to her house. It's out of nowhere. And also she ended up doing like an MTV Cribs. She actually gave a tour of the house. We know exactly how it's set up. You go to the memorabilia room. And I was thinking like, yeah, maybe you don't want to do those shows. Maybe you don't pimp your ride. Because if you do, they know everything about you and where things are. So she's like, oh, this is my memorabilia room in here. And they're like, we're just going to go. And they do mention at one point, hey, she's not going to be there, right? We we don't want to run into her. This isn't going to be like, we're not attacking her. We're just going to go. And in, in my mind, it is kind of, they seem to realize what they're doing and, and whatnot. But 
it does seem again like they're like they think that they should be able to do this this is one of the entitlements maybe of a fandom of you don't deserve that comic we're gonna go in it feels more of like a prank at a point even though kyle seems very dark about it but then even when they're like okay we're gonna end up you know cutting the power to this and whatever and they're like Whoa, whoa, whoa. Once I start hacking, that's a, the, more of a crime. Like, I don't know about this, but they're going to do it. They have it all spelled out. And then, like, are we going to do it in mess? And I, I thought it was clever, too. They're going to cut all the Wi-Fi, all that. So they're going to use a Bluetooth app that would still be able so they can contact each other. They can text and have everything going. So that's thought out beforehand. A lot of times, especially a newer writer, wouldn't think that through fully so that we'd end up having that shoved in right before it happens in the next issue. So that's yeah. pretty cool. And then the idea, we're going to wear masks, mask, or whatever. No, 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 we're doing better. We're going full out cosplay. And you end up seeing it. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I mean, I like the costumes. It gives it now more of a cartoony comic book feel as they go into breaking. But then Slink, who they didn't trust, Slink's in. But <laughs> Slink has never shown himself. They don't know. And that's the other thing with this. There was a point where, some of the group ends up meeting when Kyle isn't around. They talk online. So there is that online play, too, of yeah. chatting. And are they really friends? Do they know fully about? They make fun of Kyle, like, oh, what's your dad not let you out? Would he drive you there? But I don't think that these friends at this point yet are like friends like that. They have regret. I don't know that Kyle sits there and says, well, me and my dad are having problems or, hey, this and that. This might be like regret or nothing. And maybe they'll develop more of a friendship when Slink shows up. It's hilarious. And it's worth pointing out that Kyle wasn't even going to be part of the group that would steal a comic because they they considered him such a white knight that they didn't think he would even want to rob Maisie Wade. And so but of course, he eventually finds his dark side and wants to join them and, and wiggles his way in. I mean, he goes <laughs> yeah. and finds them when they're talking yeah. and other like again. And oh, would you dad let you out? Like it's all that stuff. And the, the worst part is, is and I hopefully nobody ever ran into anything like this. But if you are having you know, if you're having problems at home and then you go somewhere where their one joke with you is like, what, your dad doing that? And you don't want to hear that then. You're like, I, I want to punch my dad right now. Me and my dad are fighting. And so he's like that. I think that fires him up even more. Like, I'll do this. And, and even his dad's telling him that, you know, your group, you got to go and do something. You better pay rent. And like almost like he's wasted his life only because Rogue's down. But yeah, Slink, they're like, are we going to end up? trusting this guy we've never met him nobody's ever seen him we don't even know what he yeah yeah he's slink we're gonna trust him there's a knock on the door and that's a cool play with the cosplay costumes and they're like oh who the f is that hey relax it's slink and he comes in but he has a mask on they're like that's how you're going you're real though it's cool we never thought you were real he's like yep there i'm not really saying much <laughs> he's just there uh but they end up where at the end they go to the house nice house on the you know on the cliff there uh, it looks like something that might even be in like a uh, like a Pulp Fiction type of Quentin Tarantino deal with that house. And they go to go in and holy moly, you do a weird switch where they're like, that's it. That's let's paint the house red. And then you go to the next deal and it's like, oh, my God, things didn't go well, did it? But you don't know how this is played out and what this. But it seems like Maisie is there beating the crap out of him as the whole deal but it might be something from like it might be a way to to play this as a cool cliffhanger we'll see how it goes but maybe maze maybe the whole thing is mazy is kind of pissed off too who knows we'll have to see how it plays out and how this works but it looks like people might be dead the way that ends but no i, I know it's uh, uh it, it's worth pointing out here too that the timing of this comic i think couldn't have been better especially with the 
which just this week, the Rolling Stone magazine released. Yeah, that's the, what uh, I thought about. The Scott Snyder, or pardon me, the Zack Snyder. Uh, you know, maybe that Zack Snyder has a dark side just like Kyle does in this issue. <laughs> and that he's, you know, he's uh, not necessarily on the side of angels and the Snyder Cut might have a darker side in history. And exactly. And I, you know what's funny? Even if you're not on any of the sides, the funny thing about that is with that release of the article, the sides got drawn again. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like this the whole bashing of either side going and who's lying and who's doing that. It is. It's like right in there now. Well, and what I'm what I'm kind of hoping a little bit is that in this first issue, we got the perspective of the fans. We, 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 we've met all different types of toxic fandoms and and we can maybe see ourselves or see some of our friends in it or are. And but I'm hoping that we're going to see the darker side of Maisie Wade next issue. We get glimpses of her at the end here when she kicks the, the shit out of them. But I'd like to see maybe on the, the darker side of the the, ro- the Red Rogue TV show. The I want to see that. I, I'm telling you, I'm expecting that they're going to get there. They're going to kind of go and, you know, Maisie's going to be like, you know what? I'm pissed off. Let's take it to the studio. <laughs> and then I mean, then they'll have that guy, like crazy stuff. I don't know. But it would be funny. Uh, and, and with that, too, you do. This is toxic fandom. But it doesn't feel as toxic because you're just they, these are just kids doing this deal. Now they decide to steal a comic, but they make it very specific. We're not going to go like this isn't let's go killer. Let's go, you know, torture. They just want to get the comic as a symbol of you don't deserve the thing that we love. It's still toxic, but it, it, it's played out in a little less of a like this isn't. Oh that dark it's it's not like it's like you, you don't end up having these people like i want her to die and things like that that would have been a little too over the top but you still get it what well, ended you- up getting a good little in between there like the tight wife uh, tight, <laughs> well, tight walk. i don't even know what i'm saying uh, tight wire wire walking i don't know you, I can't uh, think. I, i'm thinking about you, you read the yeah you read the solicits and one of the things that i was a little maybe disappointed in the solicits is that the solicit seemed to imply that this story is going to center around Maisie Wade being a victim here. Uh, as a, a, and I, I'm, I'm actually kind of hoping that we see both sides because I see, th- I see, I'm actually sympathetic. Maybe it's because I see some part of myself with the, with these guys, with the, with the, with the so-called rogues gallery here, but I, I, I have some sympathy for all the characters here because this is, this story is a microcosm. Of our pop culture times, in in and that's what I like about it. And it's done. It I I was I would I could call this comic book a parody, but it's not. It's actually fairly realistic. This is actually nailing the characterizations of what feels like ninety percent of pop culture. If if you watch YouTube longer than ten minutes, um, and so this is real life. Uh, you know, granted, it's you know you know we got heck. Actually, it's. I, I'm sure we've had, uh, it wouldn't, you know, if we found out tomorrow some cosplayers tried to steal a comic book at San Diego this weekend, we wouldn't blink an eye. <laughs> no, no. And and the idea of this, and again, when you say that, you know, you want to see Maisie and maybe what's going on, I thought we got a tiny bit of that then. I was, and you're right, I went back to solicit and it does look like it's going to be like, you know, Home Alone with Maisie trying to fight off these you know rogues that we end up meeting here and they're dressed up as their villains things like that so when you do at the beginning i did like that little play where they said oh you know she ended up leaking those photos to try to spoil it all and kyle says no 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 that was the studio they admitted it and i like and i would like to see where you find out because even then they have like 
oh, the person made this video of her fighting with this other girl on the set because the girl ended up messing up a stunt and gave Maisie a concussion or whatever. But maybe we find out like, oh, no, that was set up like almost like the idea of wrestling. Like, oh, no, that was all set up. They wanted to have this controversy. And really, that girl who ended up getting kicked off the show, she actually was just going off back to college and didn't want to be in it. And you know what I mean? Like, if you did have that other slant where we find out that a lot of the things that Maisie was blamed for, she isn't. Uh, But I don't know. Like you said, she's going to have to fight them off through this. And I even like a weird little deal because when you end up having these characters, I know that Dodge He's going to get a hold of her and say, like, who was in this? He's going to quiz her. And if she doesn't, get, he's just going to it's going to drive him nuts. Like, how <laughs> dare you make up one of the big things about and I think Dodge goes nuts about is that this girl who is the character on the TV show ends up being able to afford a book that he would die to get. Yeah. <laughs> but he can't. And yet he knows more about it. And he thinks he's more of a fan than she'll ever be. But that that's what I think is is funny and and right on nails it right on the head. The idea of, you know, these people and I even get upset. Remember Chris Hardwick, where he'd be going around like, look at me, I'm the nerdy guy. Oh, my goodness. And it would drive me nuts. I'm like, no, you aren't. I'm telling you, the guy would be on, you know, David Letterman or Conan or something like, hey, do you have a picture of somebody? And all this was was a setup. So, oh, let me take out my 20 sided die here. And I'm like. You're a phony. I get so angry. So I, I can see why they would get mad. And hopefully it doesn't go too over the top. But it would be funny. I, I would really like it if she ended up convincing them that she's pretty cool and then they take it. But I think it's just going to be them fighting in, uh, during the night to, you know, it says that one night and trying to, you know, get out. And she may up the ante by attacking them and then they fight back. I don't know. I don't know how it, it will go, but we'll have to see. Um, but. I like the art. I actually, it's not an art style that I normally like, uh, but it, and it it has a little bit of like if you go the big two, like almost like a, a cleaner version of what we get a lot on Batgirls. Uh, but I do like it here. I like some of the scenes. I like the characters. They're not exactly you know the most detailed of things, but I think that it works out. And like you said, I like that deal of of Kyle kind of changing where he does look like this cute little guy at the beginning, and then the next thing you know, he's like. You know, he goes from the white knight to the dark knight. He's ready to kick butt. He's ready to, like, really take it to the streets uh, and all that. Also, I want to point out at points, they end up where they're going around and they, they're talking. It's like a, you know, a deal where a montage where they're talking about it and they're in a movie theater. Nobody else is there. So they're big fans. But at the one point, they're at a house and they got some moolah. Uh, you know, and they even mentioned it earlier in the deal where that's a nice house and a pool. And it's not like they're, you know, just poor kids who are just angry at the world. They just like this comic book and this TV show. <laughs> and they're all walks of life. It doesn't look like Kyle has a, a big deal. Like his apartment or house that he's with his dad is not a great looking, you know, house, but he's got his stuff and whatnot. So I, I do like you have that slice of life type of deal and, and different ones, even at one point. They're there and they're painting like D&D mi- miniatures and stuff. They're just nerds. They they end up liking the stuff and hanging out, it seems, in a comic book store on a table. there, just talking a lot. So with that, uh, what would you give it? Uh, well, I would give this uh, a solid seven and a half. And I want to I just want to give a compliment to the colorist that uh, Triano Farrell uh, did. It did a good job on the coloring here uh, is setting the different settings, and the mood. I, it was. 
Uh, I think it really contributed significantly to my my enjoyment. But a solid seven and a half, and I really hope I'm I'm def. This is definitely on my pull list. I'm I, I enjoyed. Really, this. that's cool. Yeah, I'm gonna go seven. And yeah, maybe yeah. And as we went into this, we said at the beginning we're gonna have a lot of number ones, but as we go out, we'll have a lot of number twos, like we have at this house here. But we end up where we will continue with some of these, you know, series as they come out, stuff that we look at, maybe even expand the number of books and things on the show. Right now, I mean, I know we have these two books, so we went at, you know, really at length with them. But yeah, maybe we'll mix some other things in and get a couple more and, and continue with some of these. So yeah, I, I, that's the thing. I end up where I'm going to give it a seven, but I am interested to see what the hell goes on. And if Maisie just kicks the crap out of them, would be kind of funny. Uh, and then you almost have like a, a you know, an, an actor in movies and TV taking it back to the nerds. Then. And then I'd be like, is that all this was? It's a revenge fantasy for all the celebrities. Like, what is going on? But I thought that was pretty good. So, yeah, uh, I'll give it a seven and, yeah, continue on. So, yeah, that's that. We have these two. Pretty cool. We ended up about the same exact time that we keep having every time we do this. It's very odd. We're the hour and a half crow, it seems, as we go into this. But that is that anything else you want to say? Uh, no, I just uh, I'm, I'm surprised. I, it, it, it's been... I, I'm really enjoying this, the review of independent comics. I, I reviewed uh, Scott Snyder's uh, Best Jacket Indie. He, he, four of Scott Snyder's comics came out this week through Comicsology Presents. They were all excellent. And uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm enjoying, I enjoyed these two. I, I, I'm enjoying the, the last time, last week, last few weeks with you. And it's, it's been, I've really been enjoying this independent work. I got to say, consistently, I'm enjoying on a percentage wise. Uh, my my reading of independent comics, I have a higher likelihood of enjoyment of them than I do with DC lately. Uh, but that's I guess that's to be expected. I always say comic books are cyclical, and if I don't like yeah, something, I just got to sit back and wait a few weeks, and boom, I find something I like. So yep, yeah, and then you get that. And I'll tell everybody that we ended up doing Chainsaw Man last week, chapter one, and the new chapters came out, and they're bangers. Uh, they're really good. And just as an aside. You don't necessarily have to be caught up, even though you should be, but they are kind of a weird jumping on point that's starting out a new story uh, with some new characters that are pretty funny and then pretty grotesque, like over-the-top grotesque. So that was kind of cool. And other than that, though, my my big deal is I don't really read. Tonight's the night that I start reading everything, so I'm going to end this, and, and I'm going to go read the Marvel stuff for the Marvel podcast and then read the DC stuff tomorrow and Friday as well. So. When we get into this, most of the things that I've read are, are things that we're doing here tonight on the deal. But, you know, there's some Marvel stuff. I'm looking forward to some DC stuff, but also some other indie stuff. And I, I want to get a hold of some of the Scott Snyder stuff, the Comicsology stuff, so that we can end up doing some of that stuff as well. Because I know that a lot of people love that. So, yeah, so it's cool. But I guess that is it. Yes, that's uh, the deal. And everybody make sure you end up going to Rocky's channel. Obviously, most people will be watching it here. But if you're listening to the podcast version, go to Comic Boom on the Twitters and our Twitters on YouTube. Now I'm all messed up, but I'll have show notes and everything, at least on the podcast side of things. And then check out all of our podcast as well and check out, you know, Rocky and Jace on their stuff. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. So we'll have yeah, every And you got a word science, uh, DC, uh, uh, YouTube channel as well. Uh, and you, you regularly post your podcast on that as well. So I, I often, I often listen to it on the, uh, when you go on YouTube, 
I uh, I often listen it on YouTube as well. The Weird Science. But. Yeah, and usually right now I've been kind of mixing up our reviews and and using those as individual things because sometimes our podcast tends to go a little long, and yeah. uh, people don't want to sit there and just you know watch things for four hours. So <laughs> yeah, you know, mixing it up a little, and also I have a Marvel podcast and the manga podcast that I talk about, but all that'll be in the show notes. You can check that. I will talk about that more. Uh, that stuff as we go on kind of get things settled and whatnot but hopefully everybody's enjoying this i'm enjoying talking with rocky about the indie stuff and it does it kind of gives me it's funny it's not a palate cleanser because it's the first thing i really do to start the week with the actual books coming out so it, it might set the bar too high sometimes and then i go and i'm like oh man but it does get me excited for that week of comics so i'm glad we're doing it as always but you can play us out here and then we'll talk to everybody next week catch you later We'll <laughs>